You're listening to the Complete Performance Systems Podcast, where we cover how to get really strong, increase sports performance, training, nutrition, rehab, and lifestyle. Hey guys, welcome to the Complete Performance Systems Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Hackamacki, and I have here with me on episode 18, Chris Gethin. In this episode, Chris talks about his background in health and performance, how his views on training have changed throughout the years, his mindset of knowledge without mileage is bullshit, balancing training goals, navigating injuries, gaining muscle while losing fat, ways to differentiate yourself, tracking health markers, and what to expect from Chris in 2020. You can find Chris on Instagram at Chris Githen. The Complete Performance Systems Podcast is sponsored by Boomerang Energy. Get your real good energy back with Boomerang, the natural energy drink. All right, Chris, do you want to tell the listeners and viewers a little bit about you and your background? Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you very much for having me on the show. I appreciate it. So my name's Chris Gethin. The weird accent that you hear is from Wales. But now I live in uh, the mountains of uh, Boise, Idaho, which is absolutely beautiful here, especially at this moment of time during the quarantine. But um, I, you know, I grew up on a farm in Wales, spent the majority of my childhood uh, racing motocross. And uh, during that time, I succumbed to quite a few injuries. Uh, namely, it was the back problem that uh, put an early stop of uh, my competitive career. And it wasn't until I discovered like physiotherapy that I started to get alleviated of the pain and the depression that you know came along with it. And I kind of got hooked onto weight training then. And uh, I found that the more that I studied this content, the more I was able to retain the content because previously in school I failed. I hated school. So now I felt that I was utilizing my brain for the first time. So I decided to go to college for three years and study this. Uh, with international health and uh, sports therapy qualifications. And I excelled in that and I really enjoyed it. So that's when I got hooked onto weight training and competing in natural bodybuilding in various countries. And uh, I then left the whale, uh, Wales to work as a personal trainer and a massage therapist on cruise liners, then lived in Australia, set up business there, had my own gym. Then I decided I wanted to reach out to more people through writing. So I taught myself how to write and how to shoot photography and uh, started working for publications in Australia and then decided to sell everything with the risk of uh, trying to work for reader publications in the US. So I moved over to the US and after about six months, I managed to get myself two contracts with reader publications. And then a couple of years later, uh, or actually, within about two years, I started my own uh, magazine called uh, Cage Muscle. And then within uh, a year of that, I got noticed by Ryan DeLuca, who was then the founder of Bodybuilding.com. And he wanted an editor-in-chief of uh, Bodybuilding.com, asked me to interview for that, which uh, I got, which led me from me to leave LA and uh, move to Boise, Idaho. So that's where I reside now. And during that time, I have left. I, I did live in India for several years. I was working with clients over there, and I set up a gym franchise. And whilst I was there, I started working on caged muscle with my two business partners, which brought me back to the U.S. In, uh, at the end of 2014. 
And uh, so I've been back in Boise, Idaho, because I just love to, I love Boise, Idaho. Nothing really brought me back here, uh, really, other than, you know, I, I just love the area. My headquarters of Cage Muscle, the supplement company, is in, um, in Huntington Beach, California. And uh, the headquarters of uh, my gym franchise is in both London and Mumbai. And uh, that's where we're at right now. You mentioned how your uh, training changed throughout the years. Um, do you want to kind of talk about your views of training and how they've changed uh, as you've grown? Yeah, for sure. So I used to train the typical hit style, the heavy duty style, you know, made uh, famous by, uh, well, is Arthur Jones to begin with, then Casey Viada, and then it was uh, Mike Mensah following that and Dorian Yates after that. And that training style uh, worked for me in regards, you know, I packed on a decent amount of muscle, but the negatives started to outweigh the positives where I do have a small structure. I definitely have my mother's structure and I definitely have my father's strength, which do not go well together. So I started to get a lot of niggling injuries over time and I decided to start working with more volume and with more intensity. So shorter rest periods, a lot of volume, uh, just to kind of work around the injuries, but I still needed to train to failure because training is just therapy for me. So I needed to find that therapy uh, through failure. And uh, I found that my body started to respond so much better to volume and intensity my physique kind of took on a new look, a, full of, a fuller and more separated look. So that's when I started to encounter and encompass that. And uh, I've always done cardio every single day. Like whilst I'm talking to you right now, I'm speaking to you from a treadmill desk. I like to move. And, uh, you know, a lot of people thought that cardio shouldn't be done by a lot of bodybuilders, which should be ornaments and kind of statues that don't move in between working out because we're going to wither away and we need to not only consume but retain the calories, which I never believed in. I always found that I recovered so much quicker from my workouts if I moved, if I did cardio once or twice a day because I was pushing the nutrients and oxygen around my body to facilitate that recovery. So if I didn't do cardio every day, I found that with my training intensity, I could only train three to four days a week. If I did cardio every single day, I found that I was able to recover enough to train five to six days a week. So I've always done that, but a lot of people, a lot of my peers, even clients would question it. So that's when I decided, well, you know what? I'm going to get ready for an Ironman in six months and show you guys that it can be done. You know, what is the most extreme thing that I can do? And I figured Ironman triathlon would be it, even though I couldn't swim for shit, you know? And uh, within six months, I did that. Well, within uh, two months, I competed in an Olympic distance triathlon. Within four months, I complete, uh, completed uh, a half Ironman distance. And then within the six, I did the full. And I had all the, the scans, uh, EMG, the, the Dex, DEXA scan, everything within the lab in the universities uh, to ensure that I wouldn't lose muscle. And after six months, uh, I proved that I actually put on muscle during that process. You just have to obviously rest, recover, focus, and prioritize your recovery to dictate your performance. And obviously, you know, you have to eat, train, supplement different to a typical endurance athlete in order to retain the muscle and compete more like a hybrid athlete. So my training has definitely changed uh, because it's got more volume within it, more intensity and a lot more cardio. So I still train today um, like an Ironman athlete or a triathlete or an endurance athlete along with strength training combined. 
with the Ironman training and uh, you and the bodybuilding strength training and then running for your Ironman and swimming, uh, just pulling yourself in so many different directions. How far can you pull yourself? And do you want to talk about just uh, how you prioritize the training uh, throughout your blocks yeah. and weeks? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, the training doesn't really change that much, to be honest with you, during the entire block. Um, the endurance will train a little bit because obviously I have to increase the volume slightly uh, during the process, but then I have to decrease it during the last couple of weeks. I need to taper off uh, before a competition. But uh, the weight training, instead of training five to six days a week, I brought that down to like four days a week and I drastically lowered the volume. Sticking to a lot more compound movements and a lot of unilateral movements because obviously whether I'm running or cycling or swimming, I'm using one limb at a time. So instead of hitting like more conventional squats, maybe I'd do pistol squats. Instead of conventional RDLs, maybe I'd do single-legged RDLs. Instead of doing like your typical bicep barbell curls or tricep extensions, I'd use dumbbells or cable one arm at a time uh, to ensure that I was always getting utilized, uh, used to hitting the unilateral movements. Um, and the volume came right down as opposed to hitting 20, 30, 40, 50 repetitions that I usually do. The rep range was closer to like 10 to 15 because I found that with the volume, I would definitely overtrain. Uh, so that's why I brought down the frequency and the volume and stuck to more compounds and more unilateral uh, movements. With the endurance training, like I said, it didn't really change that much because during the week, I'd only train for one hour a day with my cardio, but there'd be more hit, you know, more intervals, more sprints, more hill sprints, uh, stuff like that. On the weekends, it was always slow and long. So getting used to time in a saddle. So I'd go out for like an 80 mile bike ride, uh, getting used to spending that time on my feet and knowing exactly what I should be taking in in regards to nutrition in order for me to you know not hit a wall uh, not lose muscle so then I'd go out for like an eight to ten eight to twelve mile run no further than that because obviously I had a heavier body weight of like 220 pounds it can take a lot of stress on your hips your knees your back so a lot of my running the, for the most part was always in the hills always on the trails it was just a little bit easier for me uh, then and uh, swimming, you know, I, I didn't really focus so much on getting my fitness up, so to speak. It was all always working on my technique and being as hydrodynamic as possible because obviously being a bigger person, there's definitely not, not much hydrodynamic in my physique. Uh, so, you know, that was one thing that I'd always be working on because when I started swimming, I'd do two lengths and I was absolutely shattered. And I realized it was nothing to do with my fitness. It was just all to do with technique. So once I got the technique down, it was quite easy. And then I was just focusing on the technique as much as possible to become faster. You brought up the stress of running uh, that it uh, takes a toll on your body. Uh, for anyone that's followed your Ironman training, um, they'll know uh, that you went through various injuries with it. Do you want to talk about how you navigated these injuries and still maintained your training? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, I, I quickly realized being at a bigger body weight, swimming, I wasn't going to get injured. Cycling, I wasn't going to get injured unless someone T-boned me. Uh, but running, uh, you know, I, I, after plugging myself into the social community of the endurance world, 
and learning from uh, you know others that had that were at the top, I quickly understood that there was more injuries in endurance sports, specifically from runners, than there was in strength training sports, so bodybuilding or powerlifting, which made me realize, okay, I need to be ultra careful here. Now I've you know torn the tendons in my ankles many, many times, probably about seven or eight times in the past. Uh, before I even started this because I have such skinny ankles but I've got like a, a, a 220 pound frame sat on top of them so it's very uh, unstable so I did a lot of work to strengthen uh, the connective tissue around these areas but I did have a problem with uh, a couple of times you know with a couple of, with my knees just you know spending so much time on my knees and uh, one of the major issues that I had, and this was after I did the full Ironman. Uh, this is when I was doing one of my half Ironmans following in Phoenix, Arizona. I had, uh, again, a problem with my knee and my hamstring, uh, which caused a lot of problems. And so, you know, I, I was going to pull out of that half Ironman, but I thought, you know what? Maybe if I don't run at all for the last few re weeks and just take all the stress away from it, maybe I'll still be able to compete. So that was the risk that I took. Obviously, I wasn't in run shape. Uh, but when I did actually get to the run, when I got to like mile six or seven, I had to ice myself at every, every stop, basically. Every uh, aid station, I had to stop and ice. Instead of like drinking the ice, I was putting the ice on my knees. And the only way that I really worked around that was a lot of physio. I did a lot of uh, you know, taping. And I had what's called pulsed electronic magnetic field therapy. So PEMF. I used PEMF on the area. And then I flew over to Columbia and had stem cells. So stem cells really, really helped. So I had stem cells put in everywhere that I knew that I was going to go through a lot of wear and tear. Uh, so I had them on, in my knees, on my elbows, on my shoulders, and uh, is the, the best money that I've ever spent, to be honest with you, because you know I don't have any inflammation or any problems in that area. But there's a lot of other various forms of rehab that I do now that has really helped, and that is ice baths several times a week. Like I said, the PEMF. I have a couple of grounding devices that I have here at home. So one of those grounding devices actually goes to the specific area of inflammation. So I've used them as well. So it's kind of a shotgun approach of what I've done to kind of uh, repair uh, those areas of just a lot of wear and tear. With you jumping right into the Ironman after um, talking with your business partners and friends and just uh, anyone who's familiar with your cage muscle supplement line, uh, your mindset of knowledge without mileage is bullshit. Do you want to talk about how you came up with this and what inspired you to go down the road of essentially tracking, testing, and validating everything you do? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, like, you know, talking about supplements, there's a lot of supplement companies out there and they're owned by CEOs that have no idea about the certain ingredients, the efficacious dosages, the sources of them. So I ensure that wherever my ingredients are sourced, I'll actually go out before putting them into my products and go and visit the manufacturing facilities. I'll go and visit the farms to see where they're sourced from to ensure that they are adhering to good farming practices, that it isn't destroying the ecosystem, that money is actually going back into the employees who may not have the money 
that is required for uh, like medical or anything like that, especially in places such as India. So I want to make sure that I put in the knowledge and back it up with the mileage. That's why I call mileage, you know, knowledge without mileage is bullshit. You know, I want to ensure that I test everything. So I just tested over the weekend for eight, eight new products and various flavors uh, before it actually goes into the, you know, before it gets approved to be uh, packaged as a supplement. And it's the same that goes with all my programs. So I put out vet, plenty of video trainers out there. I don't want to be one of those people that just points the finger like the coach on the sideline that says, go do this, do that, without actually having a representation of relatability to that person, to the consumer, to the viewer, to the reader, to show that it can be done. Because a lot of the time we place short ceilings and impossibilities over our head where if I actually go out and do these things and test these things and report these things, I'm possibly creating possibilities with these people. You know, a lot of people say you can't strength train and participate in endurance sports. So now I've done that and now I'm getting a lot of people tag me who come up to me at expos or whatever and show me their medal of their half Ironman or of their marathon or whatever they did, but they're bodybuilders or they've come from a strength trained background and same vice versa. You get people from the endurance spectrum that are now participating in strength training because they know that they do complement each other, you know? So by doing so and actually being transparent and putting my sincerity on the line and showing that I actually put in the mileage before providing you with the knowledge just gives it a little bit more of a, a, a sort of sincerity, sincerity behind what I'm trying to say. I'm just trying to put out content that I wish somebody had put out for me when I was growing up, but now we have the availability of social platforms. I think it's rude not to do it. Everyone that follows your social media, uh, they know um, that you're always busy tracking health markers. Um, do you want to talk more in depth about kind of health markers you track and uh, why you do it? Yeah, of course. Now, you know, what we do, obviously, like as uh, bodybuilders or strength train athletes or endurance athletes, a lot of it comes down to performance or how your physique looks. Like there's no, as we've seen, like with this COVID-19, okay, it does really help if you're in good shape, you're moving, you're dead and removing yourself, a lot of the toxins into your lift system. But just because you've got good pecs or good abs or delts doesn't mean that you're healthy. And everything that I do within the industry, I want to make sure that it heals my future and doesn't harm it. And the only way that you can really know for sure is by quantifying it. So I have my blood markers done. Uh, I have a full blood panel done every six months. I have hair follicle tests for any heavy metal contaminants because obviously we're in a very different world than what we were like 30, 50 years ago where we have a lot more pollution. There's a lot more heavy metal contaminants in the soil that we are taking in from supplements, from food, et cetera. Um, you know, obviously we're dealing with a lot of EMFs now. Like I said, there's like, I think there's like 88,000 more lacquers and paints and sprays and perfumes than there was just like uh, 60, yeah, 60 years ago, which is crazy when you think about it, you know? So uh, I'll also have, you know, obviously the hormonal tests, have my DNA tests, I have my telomeres test tested, which tells me what my biological age is in comparison to my chronological age, because we all complain, I'm getting old, I'm 50, I'm 60, I'm 70 years old, but that is absolutely irrelevant. 
your chronological age doesn't mean anything because as a 40 year old, you could be 60 if you're not leading a healthy life. Uh, so, you know, you could be digging an early grave basically with your teeth if you're not eating correctly, if you're not supplementing uh, correctly. So I like to quantify these things through these various tests, you know, whether it be urine tests, st stool tests, um, saliva tests, blood tests, you know, name it, I test it. Also quantifying my sleep. So I wear an aura ring which tells me, okay, did I get good REM sleep last night? Did I get good deep? Did I get neither of those two? What do I need to do and quantify and change within my lifestyle to ensure that I have a good night's sleep? Because I never used to sleep well, and I know that's not going to be good for my longevity. So I want to improve my health span as well as looking good. You know, I want to make sure that everything that I'm doing is good for anti-aging purposes. However, I want to ensure that I'm kicking ass while I'm on this earth as well. So how can I balance the both? And the only way that I know for sure is by getting all these tests done and quantifying it. And I encourage all my clients uh, to do the same. For those of um, people that aren't doing this right now, uh, what's a simple one that you'd recommend people pick up on that they're probably not? And number one, I'd say if you go to a company called Wellness FX, Wellness FX, they have a simple uh, blood, uh, blood uh, report that you can take on board. So I'd start off with the blood. Uh, you know, if you want to ensure that you are getting all your vitamins, minerals, your testosterone, your hormonal balance is in place, that your thyroid is good. So I'd suggest go to Wellness FX, something like that. You can actually uh, go to your functional medical practitioner as well and ask him for a test and they may refer you to somewhere like Quest Diagnostic, Great Plains, something like that. So you can get tests as well. One thing you're fairly popular for and a lot of people out there seem to disagree with, but uh, you've proven wrong many times is you can't gain muscle while losing fat. Do you want to talk about how you go about uh, still packing on muscle while uh, similarly losing fat? Yeah, so I've always been the advocate of increasing cardio for the purpose of increasing calories. So a lot of people will just like go into a calorie deficit and then uh, increase their cardio um, or go into a calorie deficit and not even touch their cardio. But I would prefer that person just eat more food. So be in a calorie surplus and increase cardio because then you're able to signal muscle protein synthesis that much more. You're going to turn over nutrients because like, you know, I am now I'm moving. I'm assimilating a lot of food. I'm improving my protein synthesis. I'm making sure that I'm insulin sensitive and not insulin resistant. So that is one of the concepts that I adhere to in order to you know, get my clients to pack on muscle and burn body fat. Another thing is stress reduction. Acute stress or a hormetic response is good. So that hormetic response could be working out. Another stressor could be extreme cold in an ice bath or doing HIIT training, for instance. That is all good for us. When it becomes systemic, that's when our cortisol levels increase. And then we have a hard time putting on muscle and losing body fat. So one thing I always encourage is making sure that you're getting good quality sleep. But at the right times, of course, it's going to be hard if you're a shift worker. But if you're not, I suggest that you go to bed at dusk and you wake up at sunrise because that's when your cortisol levels naturally peak in the morning and naturally decrease in the evening. If you're staying up late, 
obviously you're keeping your cortisol, le cortisol levels higher. You're not able to secrete melatonin as you should, and you're not going to have a good night's sleep in order to recover. Same with meditation, because we're dealing with stress all the time. We have conference calls, we got meetings, we got deadlines, we have family commitments, which all raises our stress levels as well. So starting off with meditation in the morning, meditation followed with mindfulness and manifestation can put you in a much better uh, parasympathetic state so you can keep your cortisol levels at bay. And that's why I do encourage people to do cold therapy as well, whether it be ice baths or cold showers, because it tones your vagal nerve, which allows you to become so much more emotionally stable so you can keep those cortisol levels at bay. And uh, again, that's why I do suggest when people are like on a fat loss diet, I do suggest that people do steady state cardio. Okay, HIT has a lot of studies that backs up the science that you can burn fat on it. That's absolutely fine. However, it will raise your cortisol levels again. It's another stressor. Now, if you're training hard, you're training with a lot of volume, a lot of intensity, that's a lot of cortisol there just in one go. So if you're doing double cardio and spiking your cortisol levels again, again, that's not going to be good for muscle building or fat loss. So I suggest steady state, being calm in a parasympath parasympathetic state and making sure, obviously, that you're not causing much more stress on your body. That's why I do suggest people eat organic whenever possible, humane raised or grass fed, because then you're not taking in all the antibiotics that that animal consumed. You're not taking in the glyphosate from the non-organic meats. You're not taking in high levels of omega-6 fatty acids from farmed fish. If you're going to be taking in wild-caught fish, you're going to have instead higher levels of omega-3 oils. So there's various things that you can do from a shotgun approach to keep those stress levels at bay in order for you to be in a parasympathetic state and then in a sympathetic state when it matters. How often yourself do you apply the cold therapy or cold showers? I have cold showers every single day. A day doesn't go past where I don't have a cold shower. And a lot of time, you know, you will be faced, you know, walking up the stairs, it's cold outside and you think, God, the last thing I want is a cold shower. Those are the times that you need to do it for sure. Because you'll always have doubt, you'll always have excuse, you'll always have weakness. And in order for you to condition your resolve, you need to do things that you don't want to do. So uh, I'll have an ice bath like three, three to five times a week, usually about three times a week. There's a cold shower every day for sure. And I usually start off with hot therapy first if I'm having an ice bath. So I have an infrared sauna in the garden. So I'll have sauna for like 25, 30 minutes. And then I follow that always finishing with cold. You've been in the fitness industry and the supplement industry. Um, they're kind of entwined in the big picture. But for people out there um, trying to make it in either of them, do you want to give some business advice and maybe ways to differentiate themselves from others? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, I think it's very important for you to diversify yourself. So, you know, as you can imagine with the COVID-19, if I just focused on my gym franchise as my sole business, then I'd be in bad problem. I'd be in dire straits, dire straits right now because the gyms have been closed over in India for close to six weeks now. That's no income. You know, it's, uh, we're still paying staff. 
So it's just all outgoings. Sales of supplements are down across the board right now because you know a pre-workout or post-workout isn't deemed as essential at this moment. You know, if you look at a lot of brick and mortar stores, um, you know they're, they're, they're suffering a little bit unless you're a company that sells vitamin C and elderberry and stuff that are cordial silver that are immune building. Um, but I've actually got an online platform as well where I provide online training. I have eBooks and stuff like that. I have books. So it kind of supports yourself. So I'd say number one is diversify. Has to be something that you're extremely passionate in. So I worked over the weekend as I do most weekends. I do take time out. I schedule it uh, in order for me to you know, have that balance in my life, but I don't feel like it's work. I wake up with a spring in my step and I have to slow myself down and meditate before I get into my work and my emails and my calls because I'm looking forward to it. It's something that I enjoy. So if I'm gonna do that with passion and purpose, I'm gonna have perseverance and persistence to get through the times that you don't wanna do it, you know? Uh, so that, that's a, you know, it has to have passion behind it and it has to have some sort of calling. I feel like I'm kind of called to it. It's something that I can excel in collectively, not maybe not at one thing at, a, at one time, but collectively I can. And uh, obviously this is a day of social power, you know, get yourself on as many platforms as possible, but with cadence, don't just post once a week or once every four days, just like a TV series, people are going to tune in a lot of time every day, expecting something that you can do for them. Now people don't care about yourself. Really, they don't, they don't care about what you do or what you have done. They care about what you can provide. So provide them supplements, provide them content, provide them with facilities and services that's going to help them. You know, so that's, that's what you've just got to put out a service. So I always say that customer satisfaction is pointless. It's useless. Customer, customer loyalty is everything. So put out content, products, services that people are going to become loyal to. Last question here for you. Uh, you mentioned you testing new flavors for uh, eight supplements, but I know you're a busy guy. What do you have coming uh, in 2020 here uh, now that the year's already a quarter over? Okay, so yeah, just for this year, it's not going to be a huge amount of stuff, but we do have uh, protein, um, uh, multivitamin that's going to be coming out. So this multivitamin has been in tested uh, tests longer than any other product that we've put out there. Our testosterone support matrix was the longest we'd been testing, which was close to three years before releasing it. <laughs> the multivitamin is so far exceeding that because this is completely naturally grown. We have the ingredients that are efficaciously dosed specifically for active individuals. So it's not a synthetic product at all. It's all uh, naturally grown uh, uh, vitamins and minerals in there. So that'll be coming out uh, this year. We're also working on a vegan protein that we've been sampling and tasting, which is uh, pretty good. We're gonna try to get that out by the year's end as well. Uh, we're also gonna have like a pre-caged, uh, various versions of pre-caged. So obviously we have our pre-caged right now. We have a stim-free pre-caged that we've just released. We're also gonna have what's, we haven't come up with a terminology or the name yet. It's gonna be along the lines of like a pre-caged sport. So it's gonna be something that isn't so as extreme as what we have right now, and it'll be a lower price point. 
So it's going to be more than an introductory uh, pre-workout that will knock the doors off anything that is out there currently, but that will be much more affordable. I look forward to seeing what you come up with, Chris. Thank you for taking the time to be on today. No, I appreciate it. Thank you very much.